Hello and welcome back to Making Connections, our podcast series providing both informal and interactive discussions with industry leaders on the IT challenges and the opportunities that face organisations today. I'm your host, Nick Lazell, and today, firstly, I'm joined by Rachel Collins from Colt Technology Services. Hi, Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel Collins. I'm Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Colt Technology Services. Thanks, Rachel. And also, I'm joined today by Judy Gosnell from Telehouse. Hi, I'm Judy Gosnell, Human Resources Director for Telehouse Europe. Today is International Women's Day, and this year the UN's theme is Digital, Innovation and Technology for Gender Equality. We wanted to use this time to reflect on the experience our guests have had as women in technology and analyse the challenges that are faced today. One of the reasons why the theme is so important is that just 26% of those in the tech workforce are women, and only 5% in leadership positions. So, Rachel, I'd like to turn to you first. How did you get into technology? Maybe you could give us some of your background and what's been your experience as a woman working in the telecoms industry? So I started out in Marcoms. That was my route into the tech industry, but was always really interested in the innovation side of things, but also in simplifying things that were complex. I'd always worked in male-dominated industries. I'd worked in construction, utilities, and really very used to navigating that. It was probably only when I came back from maternity leave about six years ago that I began to notice inequality in a sense. I actually was supported, but I met so many women around this time who had quite tricky experiences going back to work following their maternity leave. And it wasn't necessarily overt sexism. In many ways, it was quite gentle. So under a veil of concern for somebody's welfare, saying, oh, you know, this person doesn't want this big project. They've just come back from maternity leave. Don't stress them out. That type of very gentle sexism but actually can really hold people back from making progress. And I think that the industry has moved on a lot. And I think that you don't tend to see that overt sexism. Well, I mean, you probably do in some instances, but I think it's more that we have to look at just some of these attitudes and assumptions that underlie people's behaviours. That's very interesting, Rachel. I know uh, my wife went back to work after maternity and, and maybe faced similar challenges. I don't think that she had the opportunity or the scope at the time to do something there. But equally as parents, we take a role in everything that we do with our children and being on maternity or coming back to the workplace shouldn't create any of this sexism that you mentioned there. There are so many skills, I think, that parents returning to work, parents generally have that they can apply in the workplace. And, and of course, that equally applies to women and men. Yeah, I agree. For me, I think this experience was a bit of a jumping off point when I came back from maternity. I also came back into an organisation where we realised that it was our 25th year of operating, but we only had 25% women in the overall workforce. So this led to a group of us forming Colt's first women's network. And then it all snowballed from there, really. We started to run initiatives and I was doing inclusion and diversity work extra to my day job. Eventually, I became the head of DEI. But I agree with you. It's not just that inequality affects women and holds women back. I think it harms all of us. Sure. sure. And Judy, from your perspective, what are your experiences, you know, having started at Telehouse 10 years or so ago? Thank you, Nick. I started 10 years ago. Uh, predominantly, I've always worked in tech environments. Joining Telehouse 10 years ago brought a different perspective entirely coming into an environment that is 
predominantly male-dominated. It was quite different from where it had been before. Again, it just brought into the perspective that gender equality is very important in a progressive environment. Looking at the workforce at the time, it was just few women, you know, working within telehealth, and they were predominantly doing admin roles. And therefore, we had to kind of look at discussions, you know, what can we do? to improve the workforce? What can we do to have a balanced gender within our company itself? And also it starts from discussions as well, where we had to look at discussing with top management in terms of strategies that we can put in place to improve our workforce. Uh, One of the things that we looked at is recruitment. You know, what can we do in terms of having women as engineers as well? Remote hands, for example, were predominantly males, but you have to look at targeting the females as well in terms of flexible working as well, shift patterns that were accommodative to both men and women. Also looking at family-friendly policies as well that could help within the, the departments as well and also the company. It seems like both of you have come into roles where maybe it's been a bit of a reactive situation where you've identified that there is a lot of work to be done. And does that mean that equality is not in the culture of lots of organisations? Judy, I heard that 42% of women have considered leaving the tech industry for other industries. So what more needs to be done to drive positive change here? Is it training or culture? As I mentioned, it it seems that the cultural element is very important here. I think it's both looking at the culture within the organization. If you have a gender balanced workforce, actually enables positive change and enables an environment that everybody feels valued as well. I think there has been some great changes going on. I'm proud to say that we now have a female managing director, Takamuro Takayo. Uh, she is the first female managing director within the data center industries. And there's still more work to be done as well in terms of more leadership roles given to women as well. And women actually understanding that they add value as well. But people cannot be what they don't know. So if they see role models in our societies as well, who are women having leading roles within the tech industries, then females as well have examples that they can learn from. But again, it's about reviewing the policies that we can have in place in terms of what can we do in terms of sensitization from a very early on within our communities, looking at schools, in terms of curriculums, basically reviewing the tech industry that is inclusive and giving examples and the opportunity for people at a very young age to understand that there are opportunities for male and female and also careers can be very progressive as well for both genders. The changes at Telehouse have been fantastic, Judy. And Rachel, the same with Colt. Absolutely. We're really lucky to be led by Carrie Gilder, a really inspirational female CEO. And I think that has made a difference to our culture, you know, and she's really passionate about this. Rachel, I assume that training probably just isn't the panacea that fixes everything here. Is that right? I don't think training is the panacea. I mean, it sounds like from what you're saying, Judy, is that we've had quite a similar journey to you and Cole. We have looked at how to make our recruitment process more inclusive. We're looking across the the people life cycle to understand how to mitigate bias across these areas. We've looked at policies and tried to make them as inclusive as possible. I think training definitely helps. We run conscious inclusion training 
training, we very much want to focus on what people can do to be more inclusive rather than a focus on unconscious bias alone, which doesn't take you to where you need to be. It's more focused on what not to do. And I think it's important to focus on what people can do. But in terms of a culture change, then there are so many elements to that. I think it's really important for a business to really understand the why for them, why DEI for them. At Colt, we are a very people-focused organisation. We believe that people matter. So we have a leadership team that very much believes this is the right thing to do. But the innovation, that diversity of thought um, is needed for, for innovation. And that's what our customers need from us. So I think that really understanding your why helps and then the role modelling and also involving everyone in the conversation. It's not just about empowering women, but also involving men in the conversation. So we alluded to it earlier, inequality, it hurts all of us. It's just a different side of the coin. We want to be very clear with people what we want them to do. So, you know, when we talk about allyship, for example, what that means. In terms of involving men in the conversation, last year we sponsored Token Man's Masculinity in the Workplace Conference. And that's all around how to involve men in conversations around DE&I, because this isn't just something that women should be concerned about. This is for everybody. I guess it's not going to succeed if it's only women involved in the conversation, is it? So the success of any kind of progress depends on an equal view of where we need to head and the direction that we need to move in. Exactly. I think a a really key component of an inclusive culture is creating those psychological safe spaces where you can harness the diversity of thought and everyone needs to know the role they play in creating those safe spaces. So yeah, it has to be intentional and consistent and proactive. And it seems maybe it should be a complete no-brainer to have diversity of thought. And when you talked about the innovation there, uh, it just makes complete sense, doesn't it? That everybody should be involved in that conversation. From my perspective, I think I've seen, and I do believe I have seen a changing culture in our technology industry and going to networking events or other industry seminars, for example, there's definitely some progress, but I don't feel that we're anywhere near where we should be at the moment. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done to progress. I'm very proud that within my relatively small team at Telehouse. Uh, the representation of women in my team is fantastic. I'm very proud that Telehouse has supported that kind of cultural change within my area. And I also understand that while 68% of men in technology believe that women have equal opportunities now, actually only a quarter of women feel the same. So there's obviously a disconnect still there. We are making progress, but it also maybe highlights an opportunity. We've discussed some of the challenges. We've also discussed some of the progress. But I guess looking forward, you know, this is 2023. How are we going to progress? You know, how are we going to make sure that the momentum is continued and that maybe that we're not discussing this at some some point in the future? We're not we're not even discussing this. It's not something that may stand out. It's not something that we need to apply specific effort and you know intensity to because it will be the norm. Inequality is another thing. So from your perspective, Rachel, how do you think that we progress is something like allyship, but you know, it's one small element, I think, but what can we bring going forwards to the table that's going to help us, you know, really, really accelerate the race towards inequality being a thing of the past? I hope that we'll get to a point where gender equality isn't as much of an issue. But I do think that we will always need to talk about inclusion because wherever you've got groups of people who have got differences, people are going to need to include others. And I think we will always need to have the conversation around inclusion and 
people being intentional and proactive about that. In terms of the allyship point, I think that's actually quite a key component to creating an inclusive culture. I think all of the work that we do in the background as DEI professionals around processes and policies and re-engineering the way that we do things is also really key and it underpins all that. But allyship is really important for people's individual career progression. There's a stat that says 92% of people interviewed in a recent survey said allyship had been invaluable in their career and having at least one ally in the workplace gives employees a sense of belonging and increases job satisfaction. So I don't think we can underestimate that. There's also a well-being component to that. But when we talk about allyship, I think businesses can often almost talk about it as if it's some type of badge that you wear. And it's not. I don't think we can necessarily say that we're an ally. I think it's something that we do. It's something that another person can say about you, but it is very much active. We need to define it. And what do we mean by allyship? Make it concrete for people, make it real for them in their day-to-day roles. Okay, thanks, Rachel. And Judy, from your perspective, you know, looking forwards, is there a, perhaps a fear from people about making progress on these issues? Are there any blockers that we need to overcome now so that we can accelerate the progress to equality in the future? Yes, I think basically looking at the future, we need to understand that for us to have a gender balanced society, we have to put more work. And more work comes in terms of opportunities that are available for both men and women, but more importantly, the less privilege in terms of the schools and the curriculums as well. The awareness that we create, you know, the apprenticeships that we create that is inclusive, that gives people an opportunity to see their careers in within the tech industry. It's all right as well to make sure that we have, you know, opportunities for where people don't think it's only for men, but opportunities where people think, actually, I can do this by looking at our policies. What policies do we have within the workplace? What competencies do we require? How can we build the skills more? How can we allow that inclusion where we go out of the box to make sure that we are equally balanced in terms of how we recruit? in terms of how we develop our people, because people can do job sharing as well as learning on the job. You can mentor people within the workplace. Somebody can move from being an admin to a techie person, but it's allowing those opportunities and bringing the best out of people and showing them how good looks like. That is critical, but it's creating that awareness that enables people to get the best out of scenarios and also out of mentorships and trainings as well is critical for us. But as a society as well, we have to think critically, what can we do? It doesn't stop now. It's a continuous process. Yeah, I understand. I think we certainly need to question ourselves on a lot of these areas. And on International Women's Day, it's been fantastic to speak to Rachel and Judy. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you to all the listeners. Please, for us to be progressive, make an effort, mentor somebody. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Making Connections podcast. And I hope you will join us for the next episode again soon.